So true, so true. Kids are always learning, always watching, and we're always teaching whether we know it or not. Happy Father's Day again to all you dads out there. Guys, thank you for being godly examples to your family. Uh, even if you're not a dad, kids are always, always watching. Those little eyes are always learning. Now, I'm not sure that the, the little tyke in the video would say this, and I don't know the percentage of teenagers that actually do, but I know that there is not a dad on the planet that wants to hear why can't you be like so-and-so's dad? Uh, and just for the record, moms don't like to hear that either. Why can't you be like so-and-so's mom? Uh, as a parent, like honest kids, we're just trying to do what we think is right. We're not perfect. Uh, we're trying to do the best that we can. Dads are often the rule enforcers, like the heavy and some of you ladies are thinking, no, he's not. Like that little girl has him wrapped around his little finger. Uh, but the rules are the rules, as long as they live under our roof, right? I tell my kids, when you get your own house and your own family, you can make the rules. But until then, not so much. As much as we'd like to be tight with our kids, our number one priority is not to be a best friend. Kids, I, I hope you know this. Listen up. Your parents, grandparents, guardians love you fiercely. Like we would lay down our lives for you. We are always, always, always in your corner. But it's our job to teach you to love the Lord, to be responsible and make decisions that honor God in every aspect of your life. It is a big job. And as long as we're under the same roof, we hope you feel the love. And when you're not under our roof anymore, we still hope you feel love. And we also hope you'd call once in a while. Uh, kids, call your mother. Uh, calling mom blesses dad because if mom's happy, dad's happy. But on Father's Day, call your dad. As parents, we understand that you as kids want to grow up. You want to make decisions on your own, and you don't want to be hovered over anymore. We get it. Believe it or not, we were once kids too in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> we know that you want us to trust you to do the right thing. After all, the goal of parenting is to raise a responsible adult. Somewhere in the parenting process, we know that we'll have to start letting go and let you make your own way. I like to think of that process in terms of being tethered to a rope for your own safety. Kids, the, the better decisions you make, the more responsible you are, the more slack you will get in that rope and the more freedom you will enjoy. But if you make poor decisions and irresponsible decisions, that rope will get shorter for your own protection. It's usually during that shortening process that a son or a daughter will say, why can't you be more like so-and-so's mom or dad? And whoever so-and-so is usually has more rope, not less. And honestly, as parents, we look at so-and-so and we think, hmm, uh-uh, that's not gonna happen. 
Do you know where those choices are going to lead? Like, and then we realize you don't. And that's our job. It's an interesting question though, isn't it? What if you could pick your mom and dad? What if you got to decide whether your parents were so-and-so's parents or not? What if, as a parent, you had to pick someone to raise your kid? How selective would you be? We all know that that's not normally the way it works, right? But it does happen occasionally in the adoption process. Biological parents get to pick who will raise their son or daughter. And it's just something to ponder for those of you who either have adopted kids or know someone that adopted. It also happened when God chose Mary and Joseph to raise Jesus. God could have picked anyone. What an honor to be chosen to raise a child, Jesus. If you were God, how careful would you have been picking parents for Jesus? I suppose God had an unfair advantage, right? Because he knows everybody's hearts, their desires, their their weaknesses, their shortcomings, even the future. It's much more challenging for biological parents who are blessing someone with a child. They don't know everything about this potential set of parents. They sometimes only know what's on paper or what's in a photo album. How much more at peace would you be knowing as God knows? 2,000 plus years later, after God chose Joseph and Mary, we can only look at scripture and surmise why God chose Joseph to be Jesus's dad. But I want to do that this morning because doing so, I think, will reveal some characteristics God is still looking for in fathers. So this is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary to be his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. So if you're taking notes, I believe God chose Joseph because Joseph was known to be a righteous man committed to obeying God. No matter how much heartache Mary's apparent adultery caused him, Joseph was committed to obeying the Lord. 
Mary apparently had done a shameful thing, but Joseph was not going to act shamefully in turn. Wise and godly men do not act rashly out of anger. Joseph was committed, committed to living life with someone who shared his passion for obeying God. And if Mary wasn't that person, he was going to divorce her. It was his right to do so. I believe Joseph knew that staying on the narrow road as a couple leads to God's best. The two become one. And Joseph didn't want to link himself with someone not interested in obeying God. If Mary wasn't as committed to the Lord, he was going to divorce her. And there are Christians who are married to non-believers who know exactly what I'm talking about. How do you model loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor likewise, if your partner doesn't share the same priorities? It can cause tension. How do you raise children if you're not on the same page and share the same values? It causes tension. Making decisions about spending money, parenting, even what you do with your free time is challenging if your partner isn't on the same page with you obeying God. As God was looking for a dad to raise Jesus, I'm convinced he was looking for a righteous man to obey the Lord. I think another indicator about Joseph's desire to obey was how quickly he married Mary. Matthew 1.24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Uh, Did he do that like right when he woke up? Did he go find the rabbi and get married like right now? Well, it, it, it doesn't say that Joseph weighed the pros and cons of marrying somebody that was already pregnant. He didn't say to the angel, you know what? I know this is gonna look really, really bad. to like all my friends, all my relatives, I, I need to pray on this for a while. He woke up and took Mary to be his wife. When the angel of the Lord spoke, he obeyed. Now, this is just for free. This is kind of like a, a side note. I know there are some ladies in the house that wish that their husbands were, were, were as responsive to their voice as a wife as Joseph was to God. And let me just say on behalf of all those husbands, uh, you're not God. And God looked for that quality in advance. And if you did not, you need to love your overanalyzer. <laughs> and grant them grace and patience and be thankful that their ears are tuned to the voice of God. Extend grace. So that's just for free, just whoever for that's for. Joseph's resolve was to live according to God's word. It is a trait that that would undoubtedly spill over into how Joseph would lead his family. I believe it's one of the reasons that God chose Joseph to be the non-biological father of Jesus. Men with an ear tuned to the voice of God who were ready to act on his word are a blessing 
from God. Men with a resolve to do the right thing, even if it's not the easiest thing. Dads who believe that doing what God says will result in God's best for their family. A second trait I think we see in this text is Joseph's decision to break his engagement off quietly reveals the love of God. Uh, Last week, we looked at John chapter eight with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And I said that Jesus wasn't interested in throwing rocks at that woman, but he also loved her enough to tell her to go and sin no more. Joseph, according to the law, could have had Mary stoned to death. By all appearances, she committed adultery, but he wasn't interested in throwing rocks either. He was going to divorce her quietly. Joseph, I believe, showed the heart and love of Jesus, the son of God, that he was about to raise. He hadn't even raised him yet. He was already displaying the character of Jesus. Mary's being pregnant had to be a punch in his gut, but he did not respond rashly or in anger. He didn't say to a bunch of his friends, quick, get rocks, let's go. He didn't want to destroy her. He doesn't gossip about her. He doesn't put a bunch of hateful posts on Facebook. Uh, He doesn't plot her death, which again, he could have done. In Joseph, we see a godly balance between love and justice. He does what's right, but he does it with compassion. It's a balance that's needed in every home. In that type of secure environment and atmosphere, kids grow up healthy and mature. They get the right amount of slack in the rope, so to speak, and they flourish. It's another reason I believe Joseph was chosen to be the father of Jesus. God is still looking for fathers who can convey his love and his justice, who know how to be firm and when to be more lenient. And I tell you what, it is a job that is hard to do. Uh, All the dads in the house, I, I, I commend you. It is a balancing act. We are often the rule enforcers, but also the ones that have to teach what grace and forgiveness are all about. I'm gonna pull my third point this morning from a different passage of scripture from Jesus's youth. This is Luke 2, 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, then began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, every mom is panicking by now. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, 
Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? (laughs) Isn't it amazing sometimes how teenagers uh, about this age so flippantly pass something off that you're like, you're dying here. And they're like, what? (laughs) Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Here's lesson number three. Here's what I see in this text. Joseph did a good job teaching Jesus what a relationship with God was really about. So much so that the teachers of the law and the people gathered around Jesus were astonished by him. In the Jewish home, it was the role of the father to teach about the faith. Joseph was a simple carpenter. He was a humble man, but he was a godly man. And he obviously was a student of the word of God. He lived it. Jesus was the son of God. So he was fully God, but he was also fully human. And by the age of 12, He already knows, it's indicated in the text, that he knew who his heavenly father was. Jesus most likely was at Jerusalem at the age of 12 to celebrate his bar mitzvah, as all Jewish boys do. And part of that preparation would have been in Nazareth with the Jewish rabbis there. But the majority of his teaching would have come from Joseph, not the rabbis. The way Joseph lived his life and what he taught told a consistent story to his kids. His character enhanced what he taught from the scriptures. I know growing up, my dad encouraged me to read the Bible and pray. But do you know why I did it? Because every morning when I got up to get ready for school, my dad was at the kitchen counter with his Bible open, drinking a cup of coffee, reading his Bible, and praying. So at the age of 13, I read my Bible from cover to cover. Not because he said to, but because that's just what I thought men did. That was the example set before me. It wasn't just spoken. Now, my dad was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, and neither am I. Uh, I. I do not glow in the dark because I'm a pastor or something. My dad admitted his mistakes and his shortcomings and tried to overcome them by the grace of God. He worked hard to provide for our family. When he would get laid off from General Electric, he would mow grass, coat trailer roofs with tar, do house roofs and garage just to make ends meet. I knew even back then that my dad didn't want to be doing those things, but he never complained. He worked sun up to sun down every day but Sunday. And when Sunday rolled around, we all went to church to worship Jesus together. And he would hand me his offering envelope where his tithe was to put in the basket. And I knew 
dad couldn't really afford it. But he was modeling doing the right thing, even when it wasn't the easy thing. And because of that, I consider myself blessed. I think Joseph had everything that God was looking for in a dad to raise his son. I'm positive Joseph wasn't perfect either, but he was committed to obeying the word of God. His actions showed he did so with grace and compassion. He was not a rock thrower and he did a wonderful job teaching Jesus to have a relationship with his heavenly father. May God use us, men of God, to do the same thing. As you love your wives and love your kids and raise your sons and daughters, may he be known through not only your teaching, but your actions. Happy Father's Day and God bless you.